another episode of can you dig it a podcast by silver screen and roll and sb nation lakers community i am one of your hosts christian rebus and i'm so pumped jacob my co-host <laughs> i don't know why i introduced you like that uh but jacob rude i am so hyped because uh it is wednesday night when we were recording this and zion williamson just broke the nba like any effect alex caruso had <laughs> on nba rating zion williamson reverse today it's perfectly balanced as all things should be. Are you saying Zion is the anti-Caruso? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I think they're pretty similar in, like, <laughs> skill and just everything. Build. Both, both athletic freaks, both <laughs> once-in-a-generation talents. Uh, uh, yeah. Zion had about as boring a first three quarters as I've seen any rookie have, even when taking into account their rookies, and then just had the greatest... Like three minute stretch I've ever seen a rookie have. <laughs> like it was one extreme and then the absolute other. Uh, yeah, broke the internet, broke the NBA, broke everything. That was as much fun as I can remember a rookie debut being. I mean, I honestly, off the top of my head, I can't remember anything better than that. Yeah, I would even go as far as to say that's one of the more fun. Like NBA games I've watched this season. I was up from my couch cheering for that thick boy <laughs> and just watching him go. The absolute unit. Uh, yeah, a refrigerator unit, man. Yeah. Like like industrial refrigerator. I don't know if those exist, but if they do, I bet Zion's built like one. He is absolutely huge. We were talking before. He looked absolutely huge and out of shape, not just like physically, just like the pace of the game was more than he was used to, which was to be expected. He looked just totally kind of out of it for the first three quarters. And then, I don't know, like something clicked. He got that rebound over, I think, Jakob Pertle, Um went down court, threw a nice assist, and then like... Boom, it was on, and he hit a three, and then just absolute chaos for the next three minutes. Uh, 17 straight points. I was going to try to pull up. I saw somebody detail it. It was like three minutes and eight seconds. Um, he, yeah, I can't find it right now, but in like a three minute and eight second span, um, he scored 17 points, made four threes. Like, he had never done that. Um, he'd never made four threes in a game in, at Duke and did that in three minutes. Um, it was absolutely incredible. Like, And then what happened, Jacob? Uh, the game ended, and the Pelicans <laughs> won. I don't – I get it. Like, minutes restrictions or whatever – but the Pelicans were in optimal position to win that game because of how well Zion Williamson was playing. I get that playing with him on the defensive end was playing 
like playing four against five because by god he was awful like he was letting everybody walk to the basket mm-hmm. but if he's shooting four for four from three you figure if he continues that rate for the rest of the game makes 10 three three pointers on 10 for 10 shooting from the field and they just let the spurs continue to make layups layups three points is more than two and the pelicans win that game so i found the the tweet between 8.52 in the fourth and 5.44 in the fourth, so three minutes and eight seconds, it went three-point make, alley-oop layup, three-point make, he missed a layup but got the putback, three-point make, three-point make, <laughs> one of two at the free-throw line. Honestly, Jacob, that play-by-play was much more exciting than anything Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy <laughs> had to contribute during the broadcast. I would have rather... Heard you read the NBA.com, this live play-by-play, then hear Mark Jackson call Zion Williamson fat for like 48 straight minutes. That was, like, usually I kind of defend those guys. Like, they don't normally get on my nerves too much. Tonight was by far the worst (laughs) I think they've ever been. They spent, like, the first quarter, they talked a whole bunch about how fat uh, Zion was. Um, they Which talk. Isn't even, it's not true. He's not fat. Like no, fat he's isn't thick. the word. Yeah, he's thick with two C's. He's thick with a lot more than two C's. <laughs> um, he, but like, he. It, uh, they talked about Zion's weight. Somebody else made a list on tw- on Twitter. Why Job Morant is better than him? Luka Doncic, Dirk Nowitzki, Jeff Van Gundy's first game. Jeff Van Gundy's future in two years, Mark Jackson's scoring record, and basically just never discussed the game that was going on. (laughs) And, like, it's so bad. Like, on top of that being a... um, probably the most anticipated game of the year, Mm -hmm. one of the most anticipated games of the year, like... Even if you put that aside, like that was a huge game in terms of the playoff race, which I know it's early. It's still January, but like those are two teams where that game could come into account um, at the end of the season. And like they just spent they spent the second half whining about analytics and like whether Zion should actually be resting and like it should it was just so bizarre. And it's like I know a lot of people have made this point, but there's a lot of things you can point to as to why the ratings may or may not be down. None of them are Alex Caruso. Um, but I honestly think one of them is the commentators, like tonight, where they just don't seem to enjoy the game. Like, yeah. they, I tweeted, I don't know what else Doris Burke has to do to get on games like this. Because I imagine Doris Burke calling that game versus those two. Like, it would have been so much more enjoyable. Or Hubie Brown, he didn't awesome job in the uh, Pelicans-Clippers game, if you guys watched that last Saturday. Um, and he's like 90. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> And he's so much better than uh, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Like, I honestly think that is a big reason why ratings are down, because you have people that are like national voices for this league that just don't seem to enjoy the game. Yeah, I think that is generally like a bad business practice. Just trying to promote something and having your biggest voices just talk about the things they don't like about it. And like, I'm all for being critical of 
you know, a game or a team. I myself am critical of the team I cover pretty often, I'd say. Uh, but there has to be some balance, and the arguments have to be nuanced. Like, Doris Burke has been critical of of James Harden's uh, free throw antics and, you know, officiating. But her the conversation she has is is so well, like, she's so well-spoken and educated on the game and truly just has, like, a burning love for it that, it, you know, it's something that fans can have a healthy discussion about and, you know, and, and enjoy the discussion she's having about it. So, yeah, I think Doris is one of the, the really good ones. I think most of the actual uh, play-by-play guys are good. It's just the color commentary of the former players and coaches are just just so bad. Like, all you have to do is listen to Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy talk for five minutes on a broadcast, and you can understand why they're not coaches in the NBA anymore. Although, with the not way the Knicks played against, Ball has anything yeah. to say about it. <laughs> With the way the Knicks played against against the Lakers on Wednesday night, um, Mark Jackson might be getting a call from the Knicks soon because I know they were going to let uh, Mike Miller, not that Mike Miller, you always have to put that asterisk after his <laughs> name. Um, I know they're going to give him a, a fair shot, and he'll probably play out this season, but uh, I think I read immediately after David Fizel was let go that they were eyeing Mark Jackson and Jason Kidd. Uh, and by all means, I say take one of them. I don't care which one. Um, to go back to the point you were making, like when Doris Burke criticizes something, like you can tell she's doing it from like a place where like she enjoys the game and wants it to be better, basically. Yeah. When Mark Jackson and Jeffy and Gundy are doing it, it's like they just don't even enjoy the game anymore. Mm-hmm. And that drags on people. So, yeah, listening to them tonight, just like... Complain, they complained about the analytics and, like, Jeff Van Gundy said that, I can't remember the exact quote, but they were talking about how, like, uh, it's not the coach's decisions to um, to rest Zion as much as they are, that it's some sports scientists in Australia, which was just really odd because I don't know yeah. why they had to. Yeah, I said Uh, Talking about Zion's limited minutes so far, quote, and I think this is being dictated not by the coaching staff either. This is well beyond them, and it's dictated by sports scientists in Australia. It's completely off the rails. What does that even mean? Tinfoil hat conspiracies. No, I totally get it. And like the when Mark Jackson was talking about analytics, he was saying in the context of. Uh, what analytics say that if Zion Williamson plays uh, five more minutes that he'll get hurt? It's like, Mark Jackson, that's not how, that's not how analytics <laughs> yeah. work. That's probably why you weren't able to get the Warriors over the hump while you were in Golden State because you just didn't understand. People would say, like, Clay Thompson has an ankle injury. He can't, he can't play tonight. And he's like, I don't think the analytics say that. So <laughs> I guess he's playing. I don't know. It that's was, that's it was really just, irritating. It was such a frustrating way on a night where, like, this should be like it should be just only about Zion and how great that was. That like, yeah. I mean, I know Twitter's an echo chamber, but so many people on my timeline were like, that Zion moment was so cool that not even Mark Jackson could ruin it. And it's like, <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah, exactly, I, it was. And the best part, I've trust me, I've already went back and watched that Zion stretch like ten times already. <laughs> the best part of it all is that Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy weren't talking, and like. <laughs> 
That's not a coincidence. Well, there was one other game. I mean, there were several other games, but there was only one other game uh, I watched on Wednesday night, and that was, was it the Lakers the and Clippers losing to the Hawks. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And with with that loss, I think. Don't quote me on this, um, but I think the Lakers have a five-game cushion. I'm looking at it now. They are four games up on Utah, four and a half on the Clippers, and five on Denver. Jeez. That's um, pretty, pretty good, I'd say. Somebody tweeted the other day, uh, like, celebrating that the Clippers were the number two seed in the Western Conference. And I'm like, dude, that's so cool. It's going to change, like, five times Yeah, by, like, next week. The the good thing about the Lakers this season is that it seems any time that they lose, like, immediately the teams below them also drop games. Yeah. Like, when they lost to the Magic, like, the next night, I think the Jazz, Clippers, and Nuggets, like, all lost or something along those lines to where they actually didn't lose any games. Um and that's yeah, that's basically what happened. They lose to the Celtics in a game that we will never talk about, and <laughs> just didn't happen. Yeah, it did not happen. Um, but yeah, the Clippers minus I mean, albeit minus PG and Kawhi uh, lose to the Hawks. They gave up. I still don't believe this is a real person. They gave up 19 points in the fourth quarter tonight to and. This sounds like a 2K created player. Brandon Goodwin. I'm I sorry. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea who Brandon Goodwin is. Um, he is apparently a six-foot guard from Florida Gulf Coast who is averaging 5.7 points per game and scored 19 in the fourth against the Clippers. Um, that team, man. Are you, I think I've played against Brandon Goodwin in my park one time. <laughs> I Not mean, he, he looks like a 2K creative player, yeah. too. But <laughs> he, like, this this Clippers team, man, like, I know others have made similar points, but they play like a like this veteran team that, like, has it all figured out, and they know come playoff time, like, they can just snap their finger and everything will work out fine. And they are not that at all. Yeah. The handful of times Kawhi and PG have played together, they look fine. But, like, that team, I I don't know, man. I think it was Brian Windhorst who wrote the other day that the Clippers are going through uh, the struggles of a super team. And I'm just like, that's great. The Lakers aren't. Yeah. (laughs) What a pleasant surprise. I, uh, I can't relate. In, in that regard, <laughs> and um, which and, and it is it is a little bittersweet because when you do talk about the Lakers, I wish I could talk about them in a light where I could say like the Lakers are head and shoulders better than the Clippers and Bucks, and I think that's where that list ends for me. I know the Lakers will see the 76ers on Friday. I think, or uh, no, sorry, Saturday night, Saturday. Um, I think they're great. I think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, uh, the 76ers shouldn't trade one of them, no matter how much like people on Twitter want that to happen. I think that's a really good tandem. And I think they have the size to compete with the Lakers. I mean, it's one of the, the teams we talked about in the preseason that could go toe-to-toe with the Lakers just in terms of pure size. 
Uh, their defense is obviously really good with Ben Simmons and and Mattis Thibel. Um, that being said, I think the Clippers and the Bucks are the two team, like the only two teams the Lakers need to be better than. And we can't confidently say they are because in both games, I think both Clippers games were competitive. But that Bucks game, I have never watched the Lakers and thought to myself, wow, they're just being flat out outplayed right now just because the other team's more talented. I will say, with regards to the Bucks game, I don't think there's anything else I would have done all that differently with how they right. handled that. Because, I mean, Giannis just kind of went nuclear from three. And if he, he hit, like, five or six threes, like, if he ever does that in any game, like, it's over. For everyone. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> so I, I think they would still defend him the exact same way. And if you lose because Giannis hit half a dozen threes, like, nobody is going to beat them. How much does it worry you, though, that, I mean, I know you're the been the kind of pessimist on this, that right. the Lakers haven't won either of the Clippers games. Uh, you know, I, I've said this on the podcast a few times, but I really do think it's awesome that the Lakers are the number one seed in the Western Conference, but, like, we, basketball is a game of matchups. And I think right now, with the roster as constructed, uh, the Lakers just don't match up well against the Clippers just because of the depth they have on the wing. Uh, the like I know we said we weren't going to talk about the Celtics game, but I'll bring up that the Lakers... Contavious Caldwell-Pope struggled against Jason Tatum in many of the ways he struggled against Kawhi Leonard. Obviously not the same caliber of player because Kawhi Leonard's arguably a top three player when he's fully healthy. Um, I wouldn't even say arguably. That guy's nuts. He's so good. Oh, um, yeah. But just the having somebody that's not big enough to guard another team's wing when they have more than one, and the Clippers have three in Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Mo Harkless. Obviously, <laughs> Mo Harkless is the— One of those is not like <laughs> the others. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, the point still stands. I, I think the— the amount of skilled forwards they have on that team worries me, and also Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Yeah, that's still a ridiculous combo. I would say I think the Clippers are going to shuffle the deck a little bit. Um, yeah, definitely. It seems like Montrez might actually be available, and they might use him to try to get someone else. Um, Mo Harkless, I definitely think, will be... His expiring contract will be one of the biggest things they dangle. But I also, I mean, I do agree that that when the Lakers have come up against teams with multiple uh, wing players, multiple athletic wing players, they've struggled. And, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into this because I know we've talked about it a whole lot, but they mm. definitely have to reshuffle the deck as well with swapping out some of these guards for some wing players. Um because yeah, that that Celtics game that apparently happened, um, Tatum <laughs> and to have happened. yeah, Tatum and Brown just looked. I mean, they just destroyed the Lakers. Um, yeah. I only watched about half that game before I got too mad and turned it off. Um, but yeah, Tatum had twenty seven. Jalen Brown had twenty. Um, those two are 
I hate to say this, those two are a lot of fun to watch, but they absolutely had their way with the Lakers. And it's been the one thing that I've been kind of worried about um, about this team is the lack of like 3 and D wings. And I think that's what they're going to address at the trade deadline. But um, I, th- man, I don't know if it's a must win this upcoming Clipper game. Oh, um, yeah. I think it's next week. But it certainly, I mean, no regular season game is a must win, but if we lose three straight to the Clippers, I don't, even with how well we're playing, if we, if that team like becomes our, our kind of kryptonite and we can't get over that hurdle, like I could see that kind of coming back, coming back into play in the playoffs. Like I really think we need to win that, that next Clipper game. Yeah. I may never log on to to Twitter again because <laughs> I've, I've. I've I've opened my mouth way too much. I, I, this may be a hot take. I'm so ready. Be ready for it. Have your uh, buckets of water ready. But I don't know if if the Clippers trade Montrezl Harrell. I can't imagine any move they make being any more than lateral for them because mm-hmm. of how important Montrezl Harrell has been for them. I agree, and it's an odd situation. Um, it it seems like Trez is really important to them, but there's just been so many rumors about um, his contract. Yeah, them not wanting to pay him, and and he's a valuable asset. But yeah, I, it's going to be hard to find someone out there on the market that you can trade Trez for, and it be an upgrade on the team. Because I mean, as is, I think the Pelican or the Pelicans, the Clippers need more size, and you're trading away some of the little bit of size they have even if he is kind of undersized i mean we've seen kind of the havoc he creates and i mean as you mentioned lou will and trez is about as deadly a pick and roll as there is like lou will is still going to get his um regardless of who his kind of pick and roll partner is but it takes away a big chunk of what that team has um, against second units if you trade Trez. I'll, I'm really interested to see what the Clippers do at the deadline because they definitely need to change some things up. They mainly just need to get healthy, but they need to change some things up. But if it's Trez that they're trading, like I think I would almost feel like relieved if yeah. he's traded at the deadline. Because the, that, that's the one thing that I looked at the... Clippers Lakers matchup, and I thought, well, the Lakers are going to be able to exploit that matchup with Montrezl Harrell pretty easily. I feel confident about that. In the two games they've played, he's such like a specifically skilled player that they've been able to go small with him successfully, just because how how incredibly active he is, uh, and he only takes like the smartest shots. I don't know. I think he's really good. I think the Clippers would be dumb to trade him, but. Um, and I, I also don't know why they feel the need to trade him because I think the, the answer is, and I'm not being facetious by any means necessary, I really do think the answer is just to play Avica Zubats more minutes. I think Doc Rivers just needs a longer leash with Zubats there. I mean, it could be kind of the front office saving the coach from himself, mm-hmm. but I do agree Zubats needs to play more for them, but I... <laughs> It absolutely should not come at the cost of Montrezl Harrell. Yeah. Um, that's a net loss, I think, even if Zubats plays more. 
Trez, like you said, creates such a, a unique matchup that AD really hasn't like gotten in the paint or like worked in the post quite as much. Like that first game, it was a lot of post ups. Yeah. But none of them were like, it didn't feel like many of them were in the paint or near the rim. And like that second game, especially that fourth quarter, like he settled a whole bunch for like mid range jumpers and like would not attack the basket. And I don't know if it was any, if it was specifically something the Clippers were doing or I don't know. It was just such a weird fourth quarter, too. Like, even for how well the Lakers played, like, for them to lose the way they did was odd. But I do think Trez has something to do with how kind of, I don't want to say tentative, but just how Anthony Davis has played against the Clippers. Like, Trez is a, is a weird matchup that it's kind of one of those things that maybe the grass isn't always greener. Like, if they yeah. trade away Trez... Um, even if they think it opening up more time for Zubots is a good thing, like I love as much as I love Zubots, like if that's the guy you're gonna have guarding AD yeah. down the stretch, like please. It's uh, it, it's gonna be a fun one. Um, Jacob, we are, I think after tonight, forty two games into the season, unless I'm mistaken. Um, Let's do we, the math. It is 35 and 9, so 44 games. 44. Oh, 30, 35 and 9? Oh, it is, it is. It is. Sorry. My bad. 44 games, whatever. We're near the halfway point of the season, a little past it. Um, before, before we left, embarked on whatever it is we have to embark on, uh, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit and ask you what you think the Lakers... Um, the biggest things they need to focus on in the second half of the season. Like, what is something you want to see in the second half of the season that you haven't seen yet? The first thing that comes to mind is uh, more LeBron AD pick and rolls. Um, it is something I know we've talked about and something that uh, they've used sparingly. Um and the whole idea was that they would save it until later in the season, until the playoffs. Um, so I would like to see them use that more, more LeBron AD lineups with them at the four and five, more uh, kind of high screen and rolls and put three shooters around them and um, start kind of perfecting that. I don't really know how much perfecting that takes because there probably isn't anybody better in a screen and roll with shooters around him in the league than LeBron, especially the way he's passing the ball this season. And yeah. we've seen plenty enough to know that there's probably no big better uh, in screen and rolls than AD, whether he's popping or rolling to the rim. But um, still, it can't hurt to get a little familiarity, um, which kind of going with that, I want to see the Lakers kind of figure out who their five is going to be um, or who the other three guys around LeBron and AD are going to be for kind of these big games. Um, kind of figure out who who you're going to be able to ride with and um, in the fourth quarter of playoff games and figure out who you're going to close with most often. I know the way Vogel's coached, it's kind of been on a night-to-night basis, but 
Um, that kind of goes in line with running more of that action is to figure out who the guys um, are that are going to be around that and just kind of iron down that five-man lineup that's going to be kind of your five come playoff time. Who would you say those five guys are at this point of the season? Um, I think almost every night you're going to include Danny Green with them. Honestly, I, I think we are having this discussion in, Slack, in our Slack. KCP might be like the Lakers' third best player this year. Yeah, I, I would agree, which is crazy that that's even a sentence. <laughs> and 100%, nobody would have ever anticipated that. Even like, I don't know how long his cold stretch started to start the season was, but even like, what, 10 games into the season, we would have never said that. Yeah. Um, so Danny Green and KCP, I'm, I would still say Caruso as the other guard. Um Unless they can find some other guard that's maybe a better spot-up shooter. Um, other than that, I think it's got to be Caruso as the point guard just for what he brings to the table defensively. Because if you can put Caruso, KCP, and Danny Green out there defensively, there aren't many... I don't know that there's a team that isn't the Clippers that yeah they won't that the Lakers won't have an advantage against. Yeah, I I think that's that's an interesting route to take because I was thinking myself that it is between uh, one of uh, Crusoe or, or Avery Badley at the point guard spot, and then a traditional center. I think I think Javale and Dwight Howard have played well enough mm-hmm. to where the Lakers' closing lineup could very well just feature a traditional center. Uh, obviously, the problem you run into there is. Dwight Howard's free throw shooting. Uh, it's better than it used to be, but still, you know, not something you want to be a problem in a late game situation. Um, I think Kyle Kuzma has just been so thoroughly disappointing, um, like, especially as of late. I am a big fan of Kuz's. I think he's going to, if the Lakers trade him, I think he'll be great on another team. Uh, I, I just don't know if the Lakers can afford to wait for him to figure it out because mm-hmm. he's obviously struggling um, in this third scorer role. And, I like, honestly, why wouldn't he be? He demands a lot of touches. Um, he needs to get into the swing of things. Like, all the big Kyle Kuzma games we've seen this season have been him being fed for multiple positions and catching fire. Like, and also him getting more ball handling duties, uh, which I think is is going to be crucial for his development wherever he goes, uh, utilizing him out of the pick and roll and, and putting the ball in his hands. Um, now I, I wouldn't say making him an isolation scorer, but that's definitely where um, you know he's he's proved to be the most dangerous uh, attacking off of the dribble. Uh, the point is, unless the Lakers figure out a second unit, like a five-man second unit unit where LeBron and Anthony Davis both get rest, where Kyle Kuzma is the focal point of that second unit, I just don't see how he fits on this team. Like, if he's not getting the touches, Kyle Kuzma becomes a lesser version of what Jared Dudley brings to the table, which is just a stretch for that plays hard on defense. Yeah, I've been about as patient I think as anyone with Kuzma and defended him as, as about as much as anyone man I don't know like 
the Lakers are also in a spot now where you mentioned it, where their title window is now. Like, this yeah. title is up for grabs um, as much as about any title has been in recent years. And the Lakers are right there. They're one of probably three teams, like we've said, with the Bucks and Clippers that are the favorites. And you can't wait on Kuzma anymore to try to figure it out. Um, he's had... Uh, 35 games now to try to get this right. And like you said, about the only times that he has really gotten it right have also been nights where AD and LeBron aren't, one of the two aren't playing. Yeah. Uh, And he, like you said, has more of a ball handling role, has more of a role that he's had in past seasons. Um, On nights where they're both playing, he just looks lost. Yeah. You forget um, he's in the game. Really. Yeah, absolutely. And he's just like another guy. And like on one hand, like we've talked about, I still think he's outproducing his contract. Uh-huh. But also they need more than that. Like it's kind of harsh for him to be the guy that um is going that may be sacrificed at the deadline. Because, like you said, I think he can go somewhere else, and in the right situation, he's going to flourish. But right now, this is not that situation with the Lakers, and this team, this isn't a rebuilding team anymore. So, and this is a team that is trying to win a title right now, and they can't afford um, any more of those growing pains. So, like even on nights like tonight when we're recording this Wednesday, I thought he played decently against the Knicks uh, defensively and kind of energy-wise, but he was 4 of 10 and had 10 points and uh, missed both of his three-pointers. And like we said, he just kind of looked just kind of lost out there, just kind of looked like a guy. Um so I think he's he he's just gonna be a victim of the circumstance and I I've talked a lot about who I would and wouldn't trade him for, but at this point I think he I think it's more likely than not that he's moved at the deadline, which is kind of a shift from where I've been the past couple of weeks. But like I've seen a couple people pose this on Twitter, but I mean would you trade him for Derrick Rose right now? Uh, okay, that okay, that that's a tough question because I think in the case of Derrick Rose and Robert Covington, who the Lakers were uh, tied to earlier today, according to a report by the Wall Street Journal, um, I think the only reason my answer would be yes has nothing to do with Kuzma as a player. It has more to do with his financial situation going forward. I think if you can get three years out of Robert Covington and his final year being a $12 million contract, you have uh, Robert Covington under a team-friendly contract, which is more than Kyle Kuzma's contract is right now. But in that 2021 year, when they're going to be looking at free agents, and I know you said you didn't want to look forward to any of that, which is totally fair. Enjoy the team you have now. But it, it, it is a very real situation they're going to run into. And at that point, Robert Covington's cap hold is on, or Robert Covington's actual contract, guaranteed salary, 
is only going to be less than Kyle Kuzma's, uh, like $2 million less than Kyle Kuzma's cap hold. And Kuzma's not going to sign for, you know, $12 million. He's probably going to ask for north of $12 million, depending on how the next few seasons go. So uh, for those reasons, I think yes, because you have Derek Rose. I think we, we looked at this the other day. I think Derek Rose is making $14 million over the next two years. By the time that contract is expired, if you brought him back on another contract, he's going to be in his mid-30s. Um, you know, probably not be asking for, you know, anything north of $7 million. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think Much for those less. reasons, yeah, for those reasons, my answer would be yes. But it w- in, in Derrick Rose's situation specifically, I think if the Lakers have an inkling of an idea that Darren Collison is going to sign on, I'd say hold off on making that trade and prioritize signing a big wing because it is far more likely that the Lakers sign a point guard in the buyout market, whether it's Darren Collison, Tyler Johnson, Brandon Knight. Just, I mean, Brandon Knight is pretty far down that list. Um, but I, it, I, I don't imagine any of the, like, 3 and D wing guys the Lakers can target in, in a in a trade involving Kyle Kuzma uh, being available at the buyout, and I, I think you can more easily replace um, Kyle Kuzma with somebody like Jeff Green than you can, um, you know, a point guard. So that that's where I'm at in, in that whole discussion. I think it's a discussion worth having. I think if you're trading Kyle Kuzma for Derrick Rose, though, I don't know if I'd do that trade without getting. Marquise Morris in return. I do think that you would have to that Detroit would probably have to add another player. It it gets a little tricky with the salaries. The other yeah. name that I kind of bandied about would be trading back for Svi, um, having him included yeah. <laughs> in that, which would be ironic. But I I I do agree. I guess uh the way I would approach it would be just basically before you ever trade Kuzma, go to Collison or his representatives or whatever and get as firm of an answer as you can get from him. And if it's anything other than, yeah, I'm signing with you, then I say that you, like if he says, I'm still not sure, I'm going to wait it out, then I think that you still, you go and get a Derrick Rose or somebody along those lines of a, a true established point guard because I would have never expected to say this in 2020, but Derrick Rose is pretty much exactly what this tim- team needs. Well, uh, In terms of a, a yeah. ball handler outside of LeBron, ideally he takes a, a, those Rajon Rondo minutes and is way more effective with them. Um, he gives you more shot creation which the Lakers don't have when LeBron's not on the floor. Um, I think him and AD could run a pretty good pick and roll. It would be a different type of pick and roll than what AD's been running because it would just be a lot more of Derrick Rose scoring than anything. But um, I was looking it up, and I don't have the numbers pulled up. I looked it up earlier tonight, but Rose was in like the 90th percentile in – getting to the rim, finishing yeah. around the rim, 
kind of all those numbers like that and isolation and stuff like that. And the Lakers don't have anybody close on the roster um, to as good as good as he is at that. So um, I do agree, though, that they would have to, whether it's Morris, Svi, um, I can't remember. There's one other name I was looking at. But uh, somebody who, somebody else in that. But, yeah, um, I, I've kind of come around on Kuzma that the Lakers are in are in such a circumstance now to where they need to kind of push all their chips into the middle and go all in. I think of the three guys they've been linked to, Bogdanovich, Covington, and Rose, I, I, I honestly think Rose would be my third option there. I would go in the order that you just said them. Yeah. I... My thing with Rose, I think I'm going to have a story on this later in the week, so I won't get any like too much away, but you look at the situation Rose is in right now, and I just don't know if he'll be in the same situation with the Lakers. Like He isn't such... I, I don't want to minimize it to him being really good on a bad team, um, but he does have so much freedom with that offense, and mm-hmm. I worry... That with the Lakers, he's not going to have that freedom. I have I have a feeling he's going to spend a lot of his minutes playing alongside Rajon Rondo, uh, which is not great. Um, and again, this might be a spicy take. Uh, actually, I'm I'm not saying it might be. It 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 definitely is. But I think if you gave Kyle Kuzma a similar role with this Lakers team, just gave him the keys to the offense and let him go. Obviously, it's a different position. Um, but I think you'd get, maybe not as efficient, but I think you'd get similar production uh, from him just as as somebody that, you know, Vogel trusts to, to run that second unit. And I think that's really the big problem with, with Kuzma that he's faced this season. Because, for one, I don't think Frank Vogel buys into him uh like being the focal point of an offense, which is fine. But I also don't think his teammates, uh, just by watching them, especially lately, I don't know if they believe he's the guy. Because when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on the floor, they kind of just, they don't even look to him. I mean, I get it. Anthony Davis is on the floor. um, But I think he's one of the last guys they think about on offense. And even if you look at uh, Wednesday night's game against the Knicks, a lot of Kuzma's points came off of him doing the dirty work on the glass and getting putbacks and, and things of that nature. It's just the the touches he needs um, are just not going to be there for him. And if they're going to be there for Derrick Rose, that's great. Um, I just don't know if they will be with, with the way the roster is constructed. I, I, it would, uh, yeah, a lot would have to change for me to feel comfortable saying that Derrick Rose is going to have the same exact season he's having with Detroit on the Lakers. So a couple stats. Uh, Rose's usage percentage in Detroit this season is 31.4%, mm-hmm. which is two-tenths of a point lower than LeBron. It would, Seems reasonable. Yeah, and it would be second on the Lakers. AD is second now at 29%. Um, that, is a, that is a fair point. He would have a different type of role. Um 
Yeah, I do fear that him and Rondo would be the point guards used, and good lord, that would be a defensive so nightmare, and just yeah. that is that is a horrible fit together. So I those those concerns are valid. Ideally, I would hope that um, the Lakers front office would just trade Rond- Rondo away and save Vogel for himself, so he stops playing him. Cause well, Rondo has that no trade clause in his contract. Well, that's annoying. <laughs> um, I I looked it up tonight during the game. So through Rondo's first 13 games, he was 19 of 36 from three, 52%. He was 15 of 24 on wide open threes, which was 62%. His last 15 games, this doesn't count the Knicks game, uh, he was 7 of 37 from three, which is 19%. He is 6 of 31 on wide open attempts which is also 19%. Uh, The regression to the mean has been very swift and very harsh. Um, The last stat I'll throw at you is actually surprising. Would you believe me if I said Kyle Kuzma's usage percentage is exactly the same as last season? No, I wouldn't, actually. Yeah, Yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah, it's exactly 23.8%. You know, I... Boy, if Pete's not doing anything, which is um, <laughs> highly unlikely, because that guy—I mean, his, his the number of jobs he has 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 decreased by a lot. But he's still a busy dude. If he if we can get him on the podcast, I'd like to talk to him about that because that just doesn't sound right. No, I am stunned. I it's probably I mean you it, I would be interested in almost seeing like. The areas he has the ball, which I, as far as I know, you it you can't see that there isn't yeah. anywhere other than where he's getting shots at. But it certainly doesn't seem like he has the ball in the same type of areas or situations than he that he did last season. Um, you might be able to look it up. I, I don't. You could look it up on Synergy. It would take too much time for me to do it in the middle of a podcast. Yeah. But. Um, that that is interesting. It's very interesting that it's the exact same usage percentage. Um, he's shockingly much less efficient this season than he was um, last season. His true shooting percentage is down. His PER is down. However flawed that stat might be, um, his effective field goal percentage is down. Um, just about everything is down. His win shares are down. Um, so that part's not surprising. I was surprised at how much he's had the ball, but yeah, I, if you, I I still think Robert Covington. I, I've seen a couple people kind of hesitant on that. I know Pete included. I still think he would be tremendous for this team, um, and he would be a guy I would almost consider putting in that final five man lineup that we were discussing. Oh. Absolutely. Because you Anthony Davis, Robert Covington, LeBron James, Danny Green, and Contavious Caldwell Pope in that closing lineup. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Everybody else. Especially against the Clippers, because that gives you two really good wing defenders. Um and allows LeBron to kind of be a, a free safety, which I think is what he's best at defensively. Yeah. Um so yeah, I still think I still really like Covington. I don't, I I don't think Bogdanovich is even remotely likely to happen. Other, yeah. it was really nice for that like, I don't know, couple of hours yeah. on 
on whatever day it was where we all thought the Kings were crazy and we're going to trade us Bogdanovich and something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I Ever since they pushed back on that, I don't think it's going to happen at all. Covington would be my number one guy I would go after. But Did you know Robert Covington has a 7-2 wingspan? That's insane. No. <laughs> um, the problem is, and it's kind of a similar problem to Derrick Rose. And is everyone. That, yeah, is that any trade the Lakers can put together, trade package, can pretty much be matched or beaten by just about any other contender. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, uh, the Lakers getting anything done at the trade deadline is solely dependent on how much a team values Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, you're going to have to find a team that absolutely loves him or loves his fit with someone or with some star player they have, um, which I think Kuzma could fit really well in Minnesota, but um, that might be me wishful thinking and hoping so because I would love Covington on this team. But I... As much as I think the Lakers, I mean, I don't know. I've went back and forth on this podcast. I still think the Lakers are going to try to trade him, but yeah, like, like we said, it's going to be hard because you're going to have to find the team that really likes him over whatever amount of draft picks or or young players like the Sixers can offer or um, something along something along those lines. It's going to be tough for the Lakers to find a, a trade to work this. Uh, this trade deadline too well jacob i think um we've it's been a little while since we've talked so we'll 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 touch uh we've touched all the bases i wanted to touch hopefully by the next time we'll talk the lakers will have beaten the clippers um i'm cautiously optimistic because I think lebron james depending on how he feels um i think I, i think pete mentioned this today but i wouldn't be surprised if the lakers just dragged their feet to the all-star break um just because of how well they played this season um how many minutes lebron james has played and um so yeah i i wouldn't be surprised if they they come out a little flat against the clippers but uh i i don't know maybe i'm just naive but i i really can't see this lakers team losing to their biggest opponent three times in a row so Hopefully not. Yeah. Uh, Until next time, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll have more for you next week. Hopefully good things to talk about. Uh, And until then, leave us a nice little review on podcasts, and uh, we'll see you next, next time out.